Welcome to Life on 10. Hello, Life on 10 fans. This is an extraordinary special day for us today because if you're listening to us, you know that we have officially joined the podcast universe. Yes. Yay. (laughs) I am Angela Trapp and I am here today with my co-host, Vanessa Walker. And we welcome you. We welcome our longtime fans and we truly welcome our brand new audience, our podcast audience. We're so excited. So excited. We're really hoping that we're going to be able to get more people interested because it's an easier thing to do. You can listen to us when you're driving to work or out going for a run or doing yard work or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love it because we can be dressed any kind of way and, um, I can read notes and nobody knows I'm reading the notes. <laughs> it's just like, this is the best. It is I'm the like, best. How could we not think of this earlier? I don't know. <laughs> um, so again, we are just so excited to have you join us this morning. This first um, session is going to be recorded, but it is our goal that our future sessions will be live. Yes. So you will be able to interact with us. Call us, let us know, maybe not call, but text in questions we'll have to see we'll play with it we'll play around with it so this one since it's recorded what we would like for you to do once you listen to it we really want to hear your feedback um, your thoughts about the content that we're presenting today so you'll be able to email us questions it'll be emailed we'll uh through ever whatever uh way you listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. there's usually ways to get back in touch with okay. the, the that, uh, creators. Okay. That'll be great. We'll and, make that very clear. Okay. And so what we'll do is when we receive those questions and feedback on the next podcast, we will address whatever questions you have. Yeah. Right? We'll answer those yep. questions. So this is a talk. Today's topic is something that Vanessa and I talked about whew, when we first started the YouTube channel yeah. that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. And something happened. In the world. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago, we wanted to talk about this, but then something awful happened and now we're back. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we're, we're back and so we're back on track. Yeah. Today's topic is beauty. Beauty in all its forms, both wonderful and not wonderful. Let's put it that way. Okay. What is it? What is beautiful? You know, there's yeah. that there's that quote that beauty is in, in the eye of the beholder. My question would be, is it really though? No, no is way. Is it really though? Yeah, because who's the beholder? It's it's clearly not me, right? I'm not the beholder. You're not the beholder. It is some person, mm-hmm. something, whether it be media, influencers, um, whatever, that is telling us who is beautiful, what's beautiful, what we should look like. Uh, and it comes from all directions. So I agree. I, the beholder, yeah, sure, a little bit, maybe. <laughs> but a lot of times it's just we're told what's supposed to be beautiful. Yes. What what you said is is spot on. Who is the beholder? Yeah. The beholder is society. Yeah. Absolutely. Society dictates to us what is beautiful. And it always has. It always has. We just read that article. I mean, just from the beginning of time. Yeah. That's what we do as human beings. We determine what is beautiful. Um I personally feel that social media has taken that to an entirely different level. Oh, 
a pressure. totally different level. And that, and I love the the word that you used, oppression, because that's what it is. Seeing people in various forms that literally they're, they wake up and they go to bed and their only task for that day is to produce something that makes them look good to somebody else. Whether it be, I'm going to spend all day the, finding the perfect pose with the perfect light and the perfect outfit just so that I can show everybody else how absolutely beautiful I am. And then we reward that person with likes and loves and, and sharing and endorsements mm-hmm. and money. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. Influencers, they got a great, great gig. Good on you. <laughs> right? like, I, I, that, that, even that word influencer, I find like, I don't need somebody to influence me. In fact, I am my own influencer. Yeah. And that's where I would like for people to get to where they're in that place in their lives that they are not looking for affirmation and validation outside of themselves. Yeah. Um, but that's just who I am. Like, I don't need some to look at someone else to influence me. What you want to look like or be. Or be, yeah. look like, act. Now, were, oh, but were you always that way, Angela? I think so. Really? Yes, I was. From like itty bitty baby. Yeah. So maybe Love that's it. a DNA thing. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody out there who can do that genetics and, and look at that. I do think you're born with a personality type yeah. and I have never been a follower. Yeah. I have always totally hear you. walked to the beat of my own drummer. Yeah. So, so when I hear, when the first time I heard that word, someone said to me, oh, Angela, you can be an influencer. And I'm, I was like, well, what is that? And the, the, it was a friend of mine and he told me and I was like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> and I did find it odd that people actually are Do called that. influencers yeah. and they're being paid all of this money. Fantastic. You know, wonderful for yeah. you. Yeah. It would be healthier, though, if people did not need that. Of course. Of course. Like if you could find your own kind of, you know, place where you're feeling good about yourself. Um, And in saying that, beauty is something that everyone aspires to, I guess. I mean, it's just natural and it's normal to want to be beautiful to fit into society because those are the messages that that we're being bombarded with. The thing is, I was talking to my son the other day. The thing is, it's always been there. Like when I was growing up, especially when you're in high school and everything, like the pretty girls Mm -hmm. or whatever, it was always there, but it wasn't there to this magnitude. Exactly. Because of social media. Yeah, it wasn't thrown in your face. There was always a place you could go that was safe. You would go home, Mm -hmm. at least I did, and I wasn't surrounded by beautiful women and all these, you know, various, it was, it was just me at home with my mom and dad and my brothers. And, you know, we just, it it wasn't even something that I thought about. Now, when you go home, you are flipping through your phone and boom, new articles, something on Facebook, something on Instagram, something, you know, it's constant that you're, or text message, look at this. It's, you're just constantly being bombarded with society telling you, here's another way you could be not you. Mm. Here's another way to alter who you are to fit into society's idea of how to be beautiful. Right. And the message truly is you're not good enough. Yeah. Who you are right now. There's something wrong with exactly. you. There's exactly. something wrong with you. So yeah. if you buy this product or you, you know, uh, engage in this exercise program or you eat this, then you can look like 
this. Yeah. And this is what is beautiful. This is what is acceptable. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And, hard. and we, and you, you know, then you go to the, you know, there's some, obviously if you're a beautiful person, which I've never considered myself beautiful, I've always gone through life going, yeah, I'm cute. Right. That's what I always said to myself. Now, um, I also had a really great self-esteem that was totally instilled into me by my, my parents from, from, and I was like you, I was always a leader from day one. I was the one that was taking charge and telling everybody what to do. So a little bit of bossy, but you know, it's okay. Um, but it, it never occurred to me ever that I was anything less than what I was supposed to be. You know, I never, I never felt that way. I never felt less than until people started telling me that. And it started very young when one of my first memories was running around the playground Mm -hmm. and I heard a little boy yell and start laughing. Ha ha, look at that fat girl run. And I heard that for the first time and I thought, is he talking to me? Am I, am I the fat girl? Because it had never dawned on me that I was fat. Like did not even, and from that moment on, I then saw myself as the fat girl. And I, you know, fortunately I didn't, you know, my mom never, ever body shamed me. My parents never said anything to me that made me feel like I was less than or fat or anything. But I know from that moment on, you know, the comments that would get made through school, et cetera. But what I did notice is that my self-esteem and how I portrayed myself, I did not get bullied as much as some of the other kids that were overweight who did not portray themselves in that more outgoing and confident way. The less confident you were, the more they attacked you. Mm-hmm. And it, when you could just see it. And to where it got to the point to where by the time I was in junior high, I wasn't getting made fun of. It stopped. The fat comments stopped. And then, which is odd, right? Junior high is some of the most brutal times. Yes. But it stopped. And then high school, you know, it just, no one made fun of me from that point on. Mm-hmm. It became much more subtle, right? You just, it, it just, you, you never getting asked to go to a dance, right? You know. When you, when no one ever says, you know, I'd like to go to a dance with her. Um, I, one time when I was in eighth grade, you know, they made the boys and girls line up and they, in, in PE and you had to do a dance. And I remember this wonderful guy, Victor Salazar, wherever you are, if you ever know who you are, he came up and asked me to dance. And it was like, I, I, I felt like a million bucks that mm-hmm. somebody actually, thank God, asked me to dance. Right. I was so happy that somebody asked me to dance. Um, but then after that, never, I'd never, ever been asked after that again, until my husband, Robert, eventually asked me to dance. And now here we are. I guess I went for the first guy who asked me to dance. (laughs) But I spent my whole life overweight and being treated less than in so many ways that I actually didn't realize until I lost all of my weight. And for those of you who don't know, I used to weigh around 300 pounds and then I had weight loss surgery and, um, uh, almost cut myself in half, <laughs> almost, not quite, um, but lost a significant 130 pounds. And um, then I've since then gone through a complete body makeover mm-hmm. where I've, I've gotten rid of all the skin and, and done all the lifting and everything to, I'm going to say, repair the damage that I did to myself um, from being overweight and being obese, not overweight, obese. Um, but after I lost weight, I found more opportunities, you know, were propping, cropping up people asked me to do things. I actually had, I'm a critical care doctor. Um, and I actually had a nurse tell me that she found me more credible once I lost the weight, not just credible about like weight loss, right? That doesn't, I'm, of course I wasn't talking to anybody about their weight. I'm in the intensive mm-hmm. care unit. I'm mm-hmm. saving your life. 
So my order to treat septic shock was more credible when I was thin than when I was fat. That just goes to show you how we think of overweight people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's heartbreaking. Vanessa, I know your story. I know your story. Um, I was wondering, how old were you? Do you remember when you were in the playground? Oh, yeah. How old were you? Oh, yeah. I was like six, seven years old. Yeah, because I was in first grade. Okay. Yeah. You've also shared with me a couple of um, experiences when you were obese. Yeah. Tell me about the, the airplane experience <sighs> that, that just like, because what I want people to, what I, what I want our audience to understand is, let me go back a little bit. Um, it has been my experience and my observation that People in general look at obese people and judge them really harshly because when they look at them, they make the judgment of this person is lazy, mm-hmm. they're, they're pigs, they're, they're overeating, yeah. they're sitting around just looking at television and yep. eating all day long. And I know that genetics and other factors play oh, yeah. into that. Absolutely. Yes, you can, you know, you can, I guess definitely intake too many calories and being inactive and you're going to gain weight. But there's another component in that. It's just not, I'm not, I'm overeating. It's just not, I'm stuffing myself. There's some other things that go along with that. So there's two things I'd like for you to do is, is to speak to that a little bit, if you can about that, the medical part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then share the, I guess first the experience on the airplane. Okay. And then speak to the medical part of it. Okay. So uh, airplanes, for, for those of you who are obese, overweight, you already know what I'm talking about. So I'm not talking to you because you have experienced this and you know what kind of hell this is. Um, for people who have never been overweight, obese, um, getting on an airplane is one of the, can be one of the worst experiences that you have your life. And it's anything from the looks that you get from people as you walk by as they're praying and hoping with every fiber of their being that you're not going to be the one that sits next to them and you can feel it coming off of them like ugh. um i mean it emanates you can feel it mm-hmm. um all the way to the flight attendants that are less than kind when handing you something like a seatbelt extender you know to, as as i got Further up in my weight, I was at the point where I had to have a seatbelt extender in order to, to, to buckle the seat. And there were ones that, you know, would literally like dangle it out in front of everybody. Here you go. Here's your seatbelt extender. I mean, it was, I, and then there were the kind, kind souls that as they walked by you, when you would, cause you would ask, you ask, you know, for those of you who don't know how you get a seatbelt extender, they don't just bring you one. You have to ask for one. And so there's the first time on an airplane when you realize you need one which is awful. <laughs> and when you can't buckle that seatbelt, you're trying as hard as you can. And then, oh my God, I have to ask now. And how do I get that person's attention? I mean, the things that go through your mind are just, it's awful. So there's the first time. And then there's the next time when you know, okay, I need a seatbelt extender. So I need to plan. How am I going to do this? It's like in your mind, it's occupying everything. And then you walk to the front, you get on the line, that you look that wonderful flight attendant in the eye and you say, can you please hand me a seatbelt extender? Can you bring me one? And some of them hand it to you immediately, reach up, grab it, hand it to you. Some of them say, what seat are you in? I'll bring it to you. Mm-hmm. It depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. And so um, my favorite was the very kind woman who 
asked me what seat I was in. I told her and she walked by me and slyly handed it oh. behind her as if it was like a, like a top secret note. Like, here you go, sweetie. You know, it was yeah. so kind. And it, yeah. I, it, I mean, it, I can't even tell you how good it makes you, how relieved you feel when somebody cares that much to do that because they know how awful that experience is. Mm-hmm. So that flying on airplanes, those two things, seatbelt extenders and and just the looks and the hatred or, or getting in the seat and the arms not fitting and things like that. And I, I get it. When you're the person sitting next to somebody who's taking up more than their seat, I understand you would have other, you know, complaints, issues, et cetera. So I, I, I see both <laughs> sides of the story. Yeah. I just will tell you your lack of comfort space, your physical discomfort mm-hmm. is minuscule compared to the internal torture that that person is feeling next to you because they know that their body brushing up against you is is irritating you and they know that they're the reason for it and they know that they're the one everybody's looking at and thinking about the entire time they're on that airplane yeah I can't imagine it's it's awful it's awful Um, so hopefully the next time you see somebody on an airplane, you have a little bit of compassion and kindness for them and think about that because it limits people. I know people who no longer fly. I know people who don't go on vacation, who don't do the things that they love to do or want to do simply because of that barrier, that Your airplane friend barrier. the other day talking about yeah. not going to Disney World, right? Or yeah, she, she had an experience where she went to Disneyland and was not able to ride on the roller coaster and she actually got called out. Get off the Matterhorn. You're too oh big. You know, make a whole big production out of it. So now she's been traumatized. You, She can't go to the happiest place on earth because she was traumatized. By the happiest place on earth. By the earth. happiest place on earth. By something ha- bad happening to her. So... Yes. But, uh, and so getting back to your, the medical, the medical question, absolutely. This is not just a calories in versus calories out thing, right? I eat too much food and I don't exercise enough. Yes. That is a big component to it. You, we, I'm not trying to, to completely not take any responsibility for how I got to 300 pounds. No way am I doing that. However, there is so much going into it with external forces and, and, emotional issues, as well as just our surrounding environment, our bodies were meant to hold onto energy. That is how we were created evolutionary. Like that is what our goal is. We were in episodes where we'd be feast or famine. And so during the famine times, the people that survived were the ones that held on to calories. And so it's, uh, it, some people are just really good at it. <laughs> and, I like that. Yeah, I, I mean, like it's, that and, and so, so those people have to work even harder because you all know the person that just says like, dude, I can eat whatever I want and I've never gained a weight. Angela's raising her hand and I'm internally <laughs> slapping her. <laughs> right. We'll share my story after this one. Go ahead. Yeah. Cause she's got a totally different viewpoint on this. Right. <laughs> experience. Um, so you, you, there's that there's uh, once you gain a significant amount of weight, your metabolism is actually damaged so that you require less calories in order to stay at that weight. So it makes it even harder to lose weight. Your brain, your body has what's called a set point. So once you get to 300 pounds, your body's like, all right, this is me. This is where I'm with. This is where I'm supposed to be. And then every time you try to lose weight, all these factors within your body, try to get you back up to that weight. So things like weight loss surgery Mm -hmm. actually lowers your set point. So my new set point is much lower than 300 pounds. So it's not hard for me to stay at the weight that I landed at after weight loss surgery. 
And, um, I still work at it every day. I weigh myself every day. I make sure that I'm not gaining weight because it's easier to lose five pounds than it is to lose 20. So if I start seeing something creep up, I nip it in the bud and get on it because I already know the slippery slope that it can become. But it's, uh, as we said, weight, weight is not just calories in calories out. Mm -hmm. There's a sole specialty. Obesity medicine is a specialty because there are so many things that go into it. And a lot of physicians don't recognize that. And most of society doesn't. Yeah. Um, that's, that was for me, that was really surprising about physicians not recognizing that. I, um, I have a family member who is, is, um, overweight Mm -hmm. and we talk about this a lot. Uh, when she goes to the doctor with the complaint, you know, the first thing that the physician says to her is, it's your weight. Yeah. You need to lose weight. Yeah. You need, so that's his blind spot. Exactly. Like he could be missing so many different things by not address, by solely addressing the weight yeah. issue. Yeah. And it's not always about your weight. It is. That's it is causing, it? you know, whatever the symptoms are. Exactly. We also talked about fat shaming is the very, very last thing that's on the table that people are okay with. Oh yeah. It's still okay to joke, to make fat jokes. Absolutely. You hear it all the time. I mean, you ever, there people are making fun of fat people on a daily basis. You could probably call out a time when somebody has said something that, that derides fat people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because so many other, um, <laughs> so many other, um, people and, and issues are like untouchable. Yeah. Definitely don't do that anymore. Exactly. We definitely don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, race, gender, whatever, yeah. we don't do that anymore. Yeah. But the fat shaming is still there. Freely. Oh, yeah. Totally. Oh. It's be, well, it's because every you can't help what color you are, right? Mm-hmm. There's no changing your skin color. You the, you're well, in, well there I, is. You can't. Yeah, right. That's another that's another episode. <laughs> that's another that's episode. episode. <laughs> uh, you 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 can um, you know, you, if you're born and you are gay, right? That's how you are. Right. Now I know there are people who don't believe that, but we're going to leave that alone too. Um, so people, I think they have just accepted, well, these are, these are things you can't change, but you can change being fat. Yeah. It's right? a choice. It's a choice. You you choose to be fat. So right. we're going to, you're, you're fair game. You're yeah. fair game. We can Absolutely. make fun of you. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's, it's about, you don't have self-control yeah. and, and so forth and so on. Yeah. Um, so the beauty standards, yeah, they shift. From time, from, I remember growing up and it's, it's, they shift and they also change depending on culture. Yeah. So this is where my story comes in. (laughs) So as an African-American woman, um, I was very, in my culture, let me say that in my culture, my culture, they like voluptuous women. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say every African-American man, but but we're going to say most. Yeah. It's to be voluptuous. Yeah. And I am a very slender, petite person and been so all my life. I can remember having the teasing and taunting that you kind of experienced, but mine was for being too Too skinny. skinny. Yeah. Isn't that something? I can't even imagine that. Isn't that so crazy? But that was it. It was like, I would get comments like, oh, you're so pretty, but you just need to gain some weight. Yeah. Oh, if only you gained weight. And then cruel things like, they would call me olive oil and just um, for those of you who don't younger, know Popeye, that's Popeye's <laughs> wife. Um, so it was really interesting and it was cruel. 
it was painful. Yeah. I mean, I'm still talking about it yeah. today, you know, decades later, it was, it was emotionally painful because that was something I couldn't and had no control over. Yeah. But I do remember asking people, well, what do I do? How do I gain weight? And a friend of mine said, okay, at night you eat peanut butter, <laughs> jelly sandwiches and ice cream and bananas. Oh my gosh. And this is what I did. I made myself sick. Oh my gosh. No matter how much I ate, I would not gain any weight. It just wasn't there. But I was a kid. I didn't know this was a genetics thing. This yeah. was just like, yeah. I could have looked at my mom and should have been able to figure it out. <laughs> should have been able to figure out. Um, but it was um, interesting. We talk about how beauty standards change in culture. Because what happened to me is I went to high school to a predominantly white high school. Okay. It was like 90% white. Okay. And most of the students there, I will say, were Jewish. And then you had this little 10% pocket of African-American students that they bust over okay. to, like, integrate the school. Yeah. yeah, My entire life changed. Wow. I walked into the school, and it was like I walked into a totally different universe, the universe of Angela, because... To these young men, I was absolutely perfect. <laughs> it's just like, so I went from being too skinny, um, chicken too leg, <laughs> to being, you know, degraded, demeaned, to elevated, oh my God, you're Miss America. Yeah. In my mind, I was only like 15 years old. So it was like, what happened? I went to bed. I was, um, you know, um, I guess I don't, I don't know Cinderella, but I guess I was Cinderella's stepsisters. I woke up and I was really Cinderella yeah. when I went to high school. It was amazing. Wow. It was freaking amazing. So I'm sharing the story to bring light to just how almost silly this is. This whole thing about beauty. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so it's silly. Yes. In that. Oh my gosh. Like, why do we torture ourselves with this craziness yes. but I, the only reason why I kind of like hesitated on the use of the word right. silly was because it can be deadly right I mean people can do so many things to themselves to their body to by whether they're taking pills drugs um having surgeries botched online you know going to different mm -hmm. countries and mm -hmm. having unsafe surgeries all in the name of looking beautiful so while it's silly that we do it it's the stakes are high. That's, so, you know, so let me, yeah. So let me, let me kind of clarify silly, silly in terms of listen to your story and your experience. Yeah. Okay. And your body at that time. And then my body and my experience. It's so, it's, it's not achievable. Yeah. Maybe I want to say it like that. It's not, it's just not achievable because beauty truly is to me in the eye of the beholder when the beholder is you. Yeah. It's, it's like you're, you're trying to hit a moving target mm -hmm. because what is beautiful now was not considered beautiful 10 years ago. Yeah. It changes. It changes constantly. So that's the thing. This is, this is. This is not really achievable. So maybe our conversation needs to be more on self-love, self-esteem, yep. and self-efficacy. Yeah. We are, I know I am, I am guilty 
of seeing little girls and saying, oh, you're so, so beautiful. You're so oh, cute. you're so beautiful. Now I catch myself yeah, because I realize that I'm potentially setting her, setting her up for this experience of constantly trying to achieve something that's not really achievable, yeah. which is being Beauty. beautiful. Yeah. Or seeking that out. Like uh, that people always told me I'm so beautiful. I'm so beautiful. Now I have to they're not telling me I'm beautiful. Do I need to do something differently? Have I changed? Am I getting older? Am I, I remember in college, my um, roommate uh, was the classic in my brain. What I always thought was just the most beautiful mm-hmm. thing ever. Just perfect body, beautiful blonde hair, blue eyes, like just the, what I grew up thinking like, oh my God, look at her. I wish I looked like my Barbie doll. She looked like a Barbie doll. That's what she was. And she was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she still is beautiful. She's one of my really great friends. She still is beautiful. Um, and I remember her, she'd put on makeup every day. That girl took like, because we were played softball together. She took like three showers a day with all the different times we had to do aerobics, run, practice, whatever. But she would always put makeup back on. Mm-hmm. And I remember a couple of times when she didn't put her makeup back on, people would go, Amanda, are you okay? You look like you've been crying. Are you sad? Are you? And I took that experience to heart. I never wore makeup because I didn't want people to ask me when I wasn't wearing it, did I feel bad? How do I? So now I don't wear makeup at all unless I'm going. She doesn't audience. Yeah, I don't. It's true. I don't wear it at all unless I'm going to like a party or I'm doing something I'm going to do on an interview or be on a cover of a magazine, which I've I'm not in a cover, but I've actually been in a magazine a couple of times. So I, I, those types of things, I'll put makeup on for that. Right. But otherwise I don't, cause I don't like it when people tell me you look tired, <laughs> you look tired today because then I, I either look who I look like or I look better. <laughs> those are the two vaunt two. I never go down. <laughs> it's so funny because I remember being um, in high school and people would say, oh, wait, I have to put my face on. Yeah. Like, literally, literally, I have to put my face yeah. on. It's like I'm, I'm incomplete. So what's what's the answer? I, I, I think that is the answer be um, love your body, whether you're a size 2 or 22? What, what's, what's, what's the message here? Yeah, I, I mean – Yes. The answer is love who you are at the moment in time that you are that, that person. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because you're going to, you know, even, even the most, what society has claimed beautiful, beautiful woman, girl, man, you know, uh, cause we've been spoke, speaking about women this entire time. Yeah. Um, you could do an entirely different show for men and all the different things that they have to go to and their beauty standards and what they're you know supposed to look like. But since this is our experience, we're, we're tending to focus on, on women, but, um, Every single day, you're, you're, the next day, you're going to be a little bit older. The next day, you're going to have a little bit more, a little bit more wrinkle, a little bit more drop to your skin, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so this, you know, concept of, I know people have looked back, my mom, for example, has looked back to the way she was, looked when she was 40. And she's like, oh man, look how beautiful I was when I was 40. And I didn't think I was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, that 40 year old looked back at the 20 year old and I wish, why didn't I see how beautiful or how, but we don't, we don't love who we are at that moment in time. And that's what I think. Cause you never know tomorrow. You might be, it might be different. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so I definitely, now I've had this unique experience of mm-hmm. I've never looked this good. <laughs> I'm 40 years old and I've never looked this good. I wore a bikini the other day. I've never looked this good. And yeah, I did. I did. And it, it, and it's because I, 
but I had to work really, really hard and spend a whole lot of money and do, you know, and go under three different surgeries with all these possibilities of complications and all this, but I didn't do it so that other people could look at me in a bikini. I've told, I told my plastic surgeon from day one, I don't want to walk on the beach and have people look at me and say, oh, look at her. She looks so good. It's not my goal at all. I want to walk on the beach and have people ignore me. I want to walk on the beach and, and, and just be like the background, the classic mom playing with kids where there's nothing noticeable about me. That I want to blend in. And that is simply because I just want to, I just want to disappear <laughs> in a world where everybody's focusing on the good and the bad and the blah, blah, blah. I just don't want you to look at me. Like, let me just be average so that you don't say she looks great. She looks terrible. I just don't even get noticed because then I can focus on my kids. I can focus on being me and playing with my family. And so wow. that's my, and that's my goal. And that's where I'm at. I don't have a rock, uh, you know, amazing body. But I also don't have the way that I looked after surgery with all these skin folds and things that I just, mm -hmm. you know, it was like the shell, the, the remnants, what was left over of who I was. Yeah. I, I, that's gone. And so, um, uh, so I get it. We, we all have to, should I have just totally lived with my skin the way it was and, mm -hmm. you know, my everything sagging the way it was? I, should I have lived with that? Yeah, I could have, you know, you can, you can call me a hypocrite for saying, you know, let's focus on being beautiful or not being beautiful, but you went and had surgery. Yeah, totally. But I did it for myself. I did it for myself because it just made me feel good. Um, I don't care what other people, you know, look at. So that's, that's, that is interesting because I can imagine when people listen to this, they're going to be like, well, what are they talking about? Um, this whole concept about beauty and we need to be more mindful and embrace who we are. And she had surgery. Yeah. So, wow. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. Was I influenced to have surgery because I wanted to fit in more with the norm? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Of course. Mm -hmm. Nobody is immune to this problem. And I think that maybe is a take home message. We are all victims of the beauty standard. And some of us are, have been victimized more than others. Mm -hmm. Some of us have had our lives impressed, improved, I mean. Mm -hmm. And some of us have had our lives, I mean, some, some destroyed. You know, you look at the, the supermodel that had all the, um, uh, I think it was, was it, is it Linda Evangelista? I want to say it, what is, it was. Um, yeah, so she had all these procedures, um, uh, uh, cool sculpting or something like that, okay. right? To have different deposits and it caused hypertrophy of the fat, meaning the fat cells got bigger instead of them shrinking the way they were supposed to. Oh, wow. And so she has actually been what she claims disfigured and it has completely ruined her life because that was what she, that was, when you're a supermodel, you wake up to look super good. <laughs> like that's yeah, your whole, yeah. you know, I wake up to be a mom, a wife, a doctor, saving lives, doing mm -hmm, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't wake up to be beautiful. She woke up to be beautiful every day. And when that's taken from you, it, yeah. you can imagine how you yeah, would yeah. feel, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it can, you know, it can, it can make people rise to their highest highs and beauty can make people, you know, fall to their lowest lows. Yeah. So what, what's our, what's our, like, what's our message to our audience? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think 
It's not to solve it. Yeah, definitely. Maybe for me, it's just to be cognizant of it, to to understand that it is a concept Mm -hmm. and it's a concept that's more and more created and manufactured by our society, by advertisement. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was a little girl, you saw magazines and you knew they were airbrushed. Yep. Now, because of Instagram and the other social media, our kids are being, this is my concern, being bombarded by it constantly 24-7. Yeah. These filters and these images, and and it's not realistic. Yeah. And all the data is showing that when, especially young girls, I, I know it impacts men, but especially young girls, and it's always been this. Yeah. Women have always born the burden more so about being beautiful because that was their value their value was in their beauty well that's that's what they were told yeah exactly that's what society says you are valued by the way you look yep um so young girls are being really impacted like a detrimental yeah with social media absolutely even though they know that these are filters everyone is beautiful everyone is rich yeah. everyone is wealthy they're on some island they're yeah. in some car they have this jewelry that designer purses all of these messages uh it it's like what truly are we doing to our children um i guess nothing more than what has already been done throughout the ages but i just feel that because of the the easy access well, and like, the constant exposure. Yes. Just it's constant. Constant of exposure. Like what is happening to that adolescent brain yeah. when I'm seeing these people in front of me? Yeah. I'm happy just to get the conversation going. I'm happy with just putting, you know, our thoughts out there, hopefully that some maybe one person will next time they look at someone who is obese be a little bit more kind. Yeah. Have a, a more gentle aware. thought. Yeah. Yes. Um, and knowing that when you're doing these things to yourself to improve the way you look, that hopefully it's coming from a place of this is for me. Yeah. This is for me. And I am going to be the person that influences my yeah. life. Yeah. Not looking for someone else to tell me what is beautiful, what is right, what is hip. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's my hope. What's yours? Uh, oh, I, I, for today? I I think yeah. I think for me, my the goal of this whole talk was exposure, like okay. it, it it bringing these issues to light, so that people really truly just just take one minute to think about them because they can identify with any one of the the examples that we brought up, okay. whether it be beauty your hair, your, you know, um, and like, or your weight, it's that whatever, anyone, your clothes, any one of the things that we bring up, we can all identify with and, um, giving yourself some grace as well as others, you know, seeing them where they're at. And just, like I said, I think if we all were just able to be a little bit more kind to everybody in the various, you know, Mm -hmm. situations that they were in, but I think just recognizing it and trying, especially if you're a parent, trying to, to talk to your children and, and let them know that whatever you are, everything, whatever you are, it's okay. It's not your, your, your importance in this world, in this, on this earth is not based on your beauty, what you look like, what you, it's about what you bring to the table. 
What are you going to do to help change other people's lives? Make it better for everybody else. You know, trying to be more Mm -hmm. external. Like, let's stop focusing on ourselves and what we look like and what more of what can I do today? What can I, what decision can I make to change the world and make it a better place? Has nothing to do with what you look like. Yeah. Yeah. You matter. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You matter no matter what. No matter what you you look like. You are important. You are valuable. Yeah. And you matter. Yeah. Okay, um, that is the ending of That's our it. first podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Give you a little introduction. Um, next podcast, our second one will probably be live. I'm yep. hoping. We're That's hoping. where we're going. We're yeah. shooting for live. And the topic, our next topic is going to be on addiction. Yeah. And in, in uh, various forms, whether various it be alcohol, forms of addiction. Uh, drug addiction, food addiction, we're going to just kind of talk about addiction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, anything you want to say as we close out, Vanessa? No, thank you all for listening. Hopefully you uh, listened to the end of this podcast so that you know <laughs> what to look for for the next time. Yes. And remember feedback. We welcome feedback. We want your feedback and we want your questions um, and we will address them on the next podcast. Okay, live your life on 10. Life on 10. Life on (laughs) 10.